0: Well, once again, thank you so much for joining us here at Journey Church Online. We can't thank you enough for meeting with us each and every week. Worship was wonderful. So glad to know that we can lift our song and lift our praise to the God no matter where we are at any time. Something else we can do together. There's a link on the screen. We'd love for you to click on that prayer link. Let us know what's going on in your life and how we can partner with you in prayer. Now let's continue to prepare our hearts and prepare our minds for the message that God has for each one of us.
1: All right. Hey, guys, uh, we are starting a new series today called uh, Victory, and uh, we know that, man, God is a God of victory. Uh, You know, the thing I love about uh, looking through Scripture, God is a God of victory. If we read the Bible, God wins. If we read the end of the Bible, God wins. I mean, over and over and over, we see that God has got a victory. And I believe that God wants you to walk in victory. There's too often and too many times where I see, especially believers, walking in defeat and, and walking as captives whenever God has has He's provided the way for you and I to be in a right relationship with Him and to be free. I mean, God wants us to walk in victory. He wants us to experience that. I don't know if you guys remember this, but I, I was uh, thinking about this week. But years ago when I was a kid, you know, there was the ABC Wide World of Sports that would come on and they would talk about spanning the globe to bring the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. And it, and it was either a guy spraying champagne celebrating winning a race or there was this guy that was coming off of a ski jump that was literally spinning out of control from Slovakia or wherever. Man, he just wiped out. And that was like what you saw all the time. And so for you, maybe for you, you feel like, you know what? You know, maybe some of you guys feel like you're the guy spraying champagne, you were winning the race, you're living life large, you're having a great time. But some of you feel like you're that guy that's spinning out of control. Man, That you have come off that ramp, you hit it the wrong way, you hit life the wrong way, and man, it just is taking you out. And so, I hope and I pray that today as we unpack a few things and we look at some scripture, that you will be able to walk starting today. Starting today, to be able to look at maybe life differently, maybe to look at God's word differently. Maybe to be able to look at what the gospel is about differently. And I know that may sound funny for some of you guys, but I think sometimes we have missed the gospel and what it teaches. But I do believe that God wants you to walk in victory. There's a great passage in Proverbs chapter 4 that I want you to read with me. It says, My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words and don't lose sight of them. Let them, let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Now, here's the thing is there are often times that, you know, we we, we have gotten wounded in life, you know. And there's things that have happened. And, and maybe there's some of you out there right now that you, you go, Mike, you know, man, I, I live as a victim of my past, not in victory over my past. You know, and, and so there's times whenever we, we struggle with maybe what we've gone through, maybe the home that we grew up in, maybe the, the parents that we had, all these different things can come into play. But the, the, the thing is, is victory over our past is a matter of the heart. If you look back at that passage we just read, it, it made it clear. But victory is a matter of the heart. It says to guard your heart. Because it literally, it's what guides your life. You know, oftentimes we, we go through life, and some of us have had bad starts. I get that. But we often go through life, we play the victim. And we're often playing the victim, and, and we're blaming everyone else. You know, it's, uh, we blame our parents. We say, uh, you know, it's my parents' fault. And the reason I, I'm the way that I am is because my dad was this way or my mom was this way. And, and as a believer, that, that, that can't be the reason you're the way you are. Now, I, I do understand that our environment has an impact on us. But we don't have to be a product of our environment. We can overcome that. You know, as, as an overcomer, as uh, one who follows Christ, we can be. Uh, we can overcome anything. And so we we blame our parents sometimes for how we are. But really what the issue is, it's our heart. It's our, our wounds that we're toting around, that we're hanging on to. And then a lot of times, like I said, we like to play the victim. We like to blame it on somebody else. And rather than take ownership, we want it to be somebody else's fault. So we blame our parents. We often blame our spouse. You know, maybe you don't have the marriage that you want. And you think, well, if I just had a different spouse, if I had a different husband, if I had a different wife, maybe it would be better because, hey, man, I got it going on here, you know. I mean, I've got, I've got things in order, but they are all screwed up. And so what we do is we blame them, we point to them, and we make it about them rather than about our heart issues. And so what we've got to be willing to do is say, God, help me to not blame my spouse, but got to be willing to take ownership of what, what are the things in my marriage, what are the things in my relationship with my husband or my wife that I can, I can take ownership of, that I can be responsible for. And not blame them for. What are the things that need to change in me, God? What are, what are the areas of my life that have been hurt or wounded that I'm blaming it still on somebody else? Or maybe we, we blame it on our boss. You know, sometimes the uh, poor old boss, he gets blamed for everything. You know, uh, he's not a good enough leader. He's too strong of a leader. He's too hard of a leader. He's too whatever. And so we blame it on our boss. He say, man, I'd be a good employee if I had a better boss. I'd be a better this or better that. And we blame it on our boss. And here's the thing: you are to work as unto the Lord, is what the Bible says. You know, we're not to work as just under our boss. I mean, we we work as unto God. And, and so, oftentimes, what we do is we blame it on our boss. It's our boss's fault if he would do a better job. If he'd get me better this or whatever. But we have got to check the heart. And so, the thing is, is we can't blame it on our parents, our spouse, or our boss. We'll blame it on someone. We're gonna find somebody. It's the government's fault. It, you know, it's it's my pastor growing up. It's his fault. It's our church's fault. It's it's what it's somebody else's fault. And so we have a tendency to go back and we want to blame or we want to push the blame on someone else rather than taking ownership and responsibility for what we have done wrong or maybe for what we look at wrong or what maybe what we choose to do that's wrong. And so here's what I would say too: God's word brings life. God's word brings life to those of us who find them and healing. To our whole body as we let them penetrate deep into our heart. That, that's what that passage was saying. You know, if, if we look back at that passage there in Proverbs, it's saying that God's Word meant, hey, listen. Listen closely, God is saying. Listen closely to these words. You know, Let them penetrate your heart. Let them bring healing to your heart. Let them change you. And, and so, God's Word brings life. Brings life to those of us who find them healing. To our whole body, and, and, it let, and, and whenever we, especially when we let them penetrate deep into our heart. And so what happens is a lot of times we go through life wounded. We have broken hearts, we have damaged hearts, we have corrupt hearts, we have bitter hearts, we have angry hearts. And that's where the problem is at. So the thing is your heart determines the life you live. Your heart determines the life you live. If you have a corrupt heart, you live a corrupt life. If you have a changed heart, you live a changed life. And so by living that changed life, man, people are able to look and say, man, there's something different about this guy, something different about this lady. Man, they're they're living a changed life. Their heart's been changed. And that's what Jesus does, man. He changes your heart. It's not just a change of mind. Now, that comes with it as well. Romans 12, one and 2 tells us that we have to be transformed by, by changing the way we think. But the thing is, is it's our heart. It starts with the heart. And so the second thing is, is when your past is allowed to dominate your present, it stifles your ability to pursue God's plan for your future. So think about that. When, when when your past is allowed to dominate your present, the current situation. In other words, your past is all you think about. In the present, you're still living in the past. You're you know you're not looking in the rearview mirror just kind of checking it out. It's like you're literally looking over your shoulder trying to drive going this way or trying to live in this moment, but you're looking over your shoulder and you're you're trying to look out the the back glass and it's no way to drive safely no way to steer your life but there's nothing wrong with having a rearview mirror that you check and remember hey where you came from who you are what god has done how much he has redeemed you from but the thing is is too often we live driving down the road looking out the back window and that's what not what god wants you to experience your past is allowed to dominate your present and that stifles your ability to pursue God's plans for your future. God has a, a plan and a purpose for your life, and He wants you to do incredible things. And if you're so caught up in the past that you can't move beyond those things, and you may need some help to move beyond some of those things, you may need other believers, and we're going to talk about that. But you may need other believers that are counselors to help you walk through some things. So maybe you're out there today and you feel stuck. You know, maybe you're at a point where you feel just stuck. You're like, you know, Mike, I'm stuck in this situation. And my past is affecting my present. And I can't seem to move on, so I don't even, I can't even think about the future. But here's what I would say. There, you know, there's been times when Laurie and I, you know, in our marriage, and our relationship, we were stuck and we needed an outside perspective and we went to marriage counseling. We went to a good friend of ours, Mark Means, who is an incredible counselor. And, uh, he sat down with us and began to drill down and zero in on some things. And, and the thing is, is he could see what we couldn't see. And so I needed a fellow believer to walk with me. I needed a fellow believer to speak truth into my life. I needed a fellow believer to speak truth into my wife, you know, other than her husband. She needed to hear it from somebody other than me. And so maybe you feel stuck and your marriage is not where you want it to be. Or maybe you're stuck and you can't even think about a relationship or a marriage right now because you're still dealing with issues from the past. Well, let me encourage you to maybe find that Christian counselor that you can go to that can walk with you and help you begin to unpack some of those things. The real question is not... Can God help me? But the question is, was will I trust Him? You know, we often say that we trust God for our, with our soul, we trust God for salvation, but we don't trust Him with our finances. We don't trust Him with our secrets. We don't trust Him with our you know our issues. Sometimes we're afraid to go to a counselor. I can't tell you how many times through the years that I've I've talked to Christian couples and I'll encourage them to go to counseling or or to even come in and see me for counseling. I'm not a great counselor, but What I do is I give biblical counsel. I give common sense counsel, and and if it's beyond what I feel like I can do, I quickly move them onto a a a counselor I feel like is better trained than I am. But oftentimes they don't want to talk to anybody, and and so here's the thing: they're saying, "Hey, listen, I trust God, but I don't trust I don't trust Him enough to deal with these issues. I don't trust Him enough to change me or to heal our marriage. And we got to be willing to trust God. And so there's a there's a great passage that I want to read to you out of out of Acts. And, uh, it's about an incredible character that went through some incredible change who we call Paul was once known as Saul. And so Saul was, um, he was a religious guy, man, very religious, probably more religious than anybody you could think of in the day. And so Saul was a very religious guy, very religious person. But he didn't have a relationship with Christ. And that's what happens with so many churches. We have people that are, that are religious, man. They're, they're religious to the T. They follow all the rules and the regulations and the guidelines. But here's the thing is, they don't have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And that is the only way to be able to be in right standing with God. And so here's, here's Saul, who would later become Paul, who would write most of the New Testament, who would become the greatest missionary second only to Christ. And so here is Saul, who literally, you know, is going to have this incredible life change. Been super religious, been passionate about what he was doing, but man, he didn't know Christ. And if he didn't know Christ, he didn't know God. He was just religious. And so let's read about Saul. Saul had just been a part of helping murder Stephen. If you're familiar with the passage, you know, he's holding the coats and the jackets of the people as they stone Stephen to death. And so he is a a murderer. He's an accomplice to murder, if nothing else. And so meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for the, their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way. See, Jesus was known as the way, the truth, and the life. In early on, Jesus wasn't known as Christians. The people were not known as Christians. It was called the way. The teaching was called the way. So followers of the way he found there, he wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. And he was approaching Damascus on this mission. A light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, "Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord?" Saul asked, and the voice replied, "I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you'll and, and do what I, you were told. What you must do." The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they didn't see anybody's. They saw no one. So Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. Couldn't see. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus, and he remembered, he remained there, uh, remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. And now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas, and when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. He's like, Lord, this guy, he's, he's looking for guys like me. I mean, he's wanting to put me in jail. He's wanting me to die. And God, you're sending me right over to him. But, but God is saying, hey, listen, Ananias, just trust me. And, and, and he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will, and, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow, it's powerful. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight, and then he got up and he was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. And immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the promised one. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem? They asked, and 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 didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains and to the leading priests? Saul's preaching became more and more powerful and the life and and the the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. And so in that incredible story there, we see that that Saul has this encounter with Christ that changes everything. It changes his whole life. So the question we want to ask today is how how can we overcome you know, the, our past. How do we overcome our, our our past issues? How do we have victory in that? So how can we heal from these heart issues and walk in victory? How can we heal from these heart issues? Because that's what they are. They're, they're issues of the heart. So how can we heal from these? You know, that we. if I go back to Proverbs again, this is what it says. It says, my child, pay attention to what I say and listen carefully to my words. The word of God is powerful. Don't lose sight of them, but let them... Penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to, those, uh, to the whole body. Guard your heart above all else. It determines the course of your life. So these heart issues, man, we've got to dig deep. And so the first thing we've got to do is this. Victory begins with a personal encounter with Jesus. I wish I could tell you, hey, listen, there's just a couple of one, two, threes you need to do. But, man, it has to start with Christ. Everything rises and falls with our relationship with Christ. And so victory begins with a personal encounter with Jesus. For Paul, it was the same thing. Paul had a life-changing encounter with Christ on the road to Damascus. You know, for me, I I go back to when I was 19 years old. I'd been religious. I'd been involved in church. I knew stories from the Bible. I had memorized Scripture. I was pretty religious. But I did not have a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. That happened at 19 years of age when I got on my knees, broken and asking Jesus to come into my life and to save me. I had an encounter with Christ and it's changed my life forever. You know, and I would just say the same thing for you. Man, if you want to be healed, if you really want to walk in victory, it starts with Jesus. It starts with a relationship with Him. It's not about religion. It's not about going to church. It's not about stuff that you do to try to earn your way to, to God. That is religion. But it's accepting Jesus Christ. It's about a relationship. And, and that is God's attempt to get to man. And so we've got to be willing to say, God, I want you to step into my life. So Paul had this life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. If anybody had a past, man, Paul did. You know, he was Saul. He was the persecutor of the church. He was a murderer. You know, but now he is Paul. And he he comes goes on to become one of the apostles. He's one of the ones that will literally teach and write most of the New Testament. So what an incredible change, you know, that he experienced there. So here's the other thing that I think is key for you to be able to experience this, this life-changing healing process that deals with the heart. is understanding the gospel. It's key. Understanding the gospel. Let me just say this. There are times I think that people say that they've heard the gospel, but I don't know if we fully understand the gospel. I don't even know if there are times whenever people that have been raised in church fully grasp and understand the gospel. Because if they did, they would be quick to forgive others. They would be quick to forgive someone who has wounded them. They'd be quick to forgive those who, who, who have hurt them. Because Jesus tells us to quickly and thoroughly forgive them just as He has forgiven us. And if we understand the gospel, we, we realize, you know what, that we had offended God. That we had, we had sinned against God. We had caused Christ to have to go to the cross. He went there because of our sin. He went there to pay our debt. And, and the thing is, is His love for us was so powerful. And so whenever we can get our mind around that, we realize, you know what? Jesus offered forgiveness before we ever even asked for it. Before we could ever even ask for it, Jesus had gone to the cross 2,000 years ago. He went to the cross for you and for me. I hadn't even asked at that point, but Jesus went to the cross for me. And so if we can get our mind around that, if we can go, God, I realize how much you love me. And God, I realize that before I could even ask for forgiveness, you had forgiven me. You had provided a way And so whenever we hold grudges and we hold bitterness and anger and resentment deep in our heart and we won't forgive someone that has wounded us or hurt us, what we're doing is we're holding out on the gospel. I'm not sure we fully understand the gospel at that point. If we're holding grudges and we're holding bitterness, we're holding anger and resentment in our heart, I'm not sure we've got our mind around the gospel completely. Listen to this this next statement here. If past failures dominate us, we increasingly see ourselves through the lens of our sin, our mistakes, and our shortcomings, and less and less through the lens of who we are in Christ Jesus. And so what happens is we have a tendency to want to hang on to things. And we, we, we focus on our past failures. There's so many times where we have a tendency to, we want to. We want to look back and we, we go, man, I've, I've blown it. I've messed up. I've hurt people. I've done things I shouldn't have done. Everybody has a past. Everybody has a past. We all have blown it. We all have fallen short of God's glorious standard. And, and so what happens though is if we, if we focus on that, if we let past failures dominate us, in other words, they, they take our focus, then we increasingly see ourselves through the lens of our sin. In other words, we see ourselves just old sinners. And you're right. We are, we are all sinners, but we have also been redeemed. And as a believer, as a follower of Christ, if you have been redeemed, the focus shouldn't be on, hey man, I'm just no sinner again. But it also ought to be on the fact that, you know what, I'm a child of God. I've been born again. I've been redeemed. I have been given victory. I've been given life. We look at our mistakes. We, we focus on our mistakes. And instead of thinking about what we have the potential to become, we focus on what we messed up on. And that literally dominates our thinking. And our shortcomings, where we, we blew it. And so less and less through the lens of who we are in Christ, rather than I'm a child of God. I am born again. I am part of the family of God. Meant I am more than a conqueror. That ought to be our mentality. But if you're letting your past failures dominate your thinking, then you don't look at yourself as who you are in Christ. You, look, you let Satan tell you who, you who you used to be. And you let him remind you of your past over and over and over. And what we've got to be willing to do is say, God, help me to focus on what you have to say, not what Satan has to say. He's a liar. And so we've got to be willing to turn to that. Look at this next passage right here. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty seven says, But thank God. He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. We didn't do that. We didn't earn that. But it's what Christ has done. It's what Christ has done. And so if we really want to be healed, we've got to understand that, number one, it comes through what Christ has done. Jesus went to the cross for you and for me. Jesus died His precious... He died... He bled His precious blood out on that cross for you and for me. He laid down His life. He chose to. He didn't have to. He chose to. But here's the thing. We had a debt that had to be paid, and the only way it could be paid was by the perfect lamb. That's Christ. And so Jesus is the one that gives us victory. And so the victory is not from anything I've done or anything I've earned. It is what I received whenever I received the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now here's the second thing. Through the Word, this is important, through the Word our blindness is revealed. We look back at, at Saul, who would later become Paul. We see that Saul was blinded. Now, now Saul experienced what we would call the incarnate Word. Jesus was the Word that became flesh and dwelt among us. And so, Saul has an experience with the incarnate Word. That That is literally the Word of God in flesh. So, that's Jesus. So, he experiences that. We have the Bible, God's written Word. We have the Bible, God's written Word. So, whenever we take God's Word here... And, and we're able to read God's word. What what the Bible does is it reads us. The more that I read the Scriptures, the more that I dig into the Scriptures, the more that I begin to study the Scriptures, the more that God begins to reveal Himself. And, and so we have God's written word. And this is what I love about the Bible. The Bible is encouraging. It is affirming. There are times that man, it's just life giving, and, and there are times and I'll just say this: it cuts deeply, and exposes. Now maybe you're one of those where you feel like the Bible is just a lot of positive things, and I'll just say this: God is always positive, but sometimes it cuts deeply and it exposes. Look at what this passage says here in Hebrews: For the word of God is alive and powerful; it is sharper than sharper than the uh, sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. And let me just say this: If you're not, if you're reading God's word. And it's not cutting you every once in a while. It's not revealing things in your life. You're probably just looking for all the highlights and all the, the kind of the, the, maybe the, the, the stuff that you want to hear. But the thing is, is we as believers need to hear it all. And God, there are, t- there are times whenever I'll be reading a passage and, man, God will begin to just convict my spirit. Man, he'll, just, he'll break my heart over something. And it, what he's doing is he's doing spiritual surgery on me. He said, Mike, this is sin in your life. Mike, this is not right. Mike, this is the wrong attitude. Mike, this is not the way that I want you to live. And what we've got to be willing to do is say, God, I want you to search me. It's what King David says. He said, God, search me and show me if there's anything in me that that, that dishonors you. And so we've got to be willing to say, God, search me and reveal and remove anything that is there. We've got something going on in our nation right now, in our community. And and, and there's there's like a dark cloud that is over our nation uh, right now dealing with uh, this whole George Floyd situation. Here's a gentleman who lost his life this past week. And so the thing is is it's called racism. And so racism is not a skin color issue, it's a heart issue. It's not a skin color issue, it's a heart issue. You know, and, and so this this, this gentleman I, I posted about this earlier. There was a church planner that knew him whenever he was in Houston and had a connection with this guy and I wanted people to see that this was this was somebody that was that person of peace in a community he actually had kind of got connected with his church planner. They were doing three on three basketball tournaments and getting, you know, involved in, in what this church was doing. And he had built a relationship and he would even help set up and, and do a few things around there. And so the thing is, is when we personalize it, we realize, you know what, man, that's a guy that God was working on. It's a guy that God was working in his heart. And I know sometimes we can watch this stupid media that we have and all of a sudden we want to pick sides or whatever. And it's not about sides. It's about having the right heart. And racism is always wrong. Let me just say that. Racism is always wrong. It doesn't matter what color you are. Racism is always wrong. Jesus, man, he addressed that. Jesus addressed racism in the Bible many times. He did it with the parable of the Good Samaritan and the woman at the well. With the Good Samaritan, he tells a story to these guys about this guy, you know, gets beat up. And, and anyway, so here comes a, a, a religious guy. He walks right by, crosses over the other side of the road, avoids him. Then another religious guy comes up, walks by on the other side of the road. But then this Samaritan and all these all these Israelites were like, whoa, whoa, a Samaritan. And what he's doing is Jesus is addressing the race issue. And he says, hey, let me just tell you, this guy stopped. He took this guy and he put him on his donkey. He bandaged his wounds and he took him to an inn. And he paid and he said, hey, listen, if it runs over what I've already paid, I'll pay you when I come back through. And then Jesus turns to the guys he's teaching. He said, hey, who was the real, who was the real neighbor there? They said the one that showed mercy. And then we look at the, the woman at the well. The woman at the well, here's, here's what I love. When Jesus approached a, a Samaritan woman, it, it, in the heat of the day, he reached he reached across every line there was, every, every imaginable barrier, racial barrier, the cultural barrier, the gender barrier, the moral barrier, barrier. She was not a moral woman. But by every cultural standard, you know, Jesus shouldn't have been even having a conversation with her. But the thing is... Is Jesus was showing us what the gospel looks like. See, Jesus cares about the person's heart. Jesus cares about your heart. He cares more about your heart than he does the color of your skin. And we live in a, we live in a time right now where man, it is, it is, there's a tough tension going on around us. You know, maybe you grew up in a, in a culture where the culture was anti whatever the opposite color of you might be. And I'm just telling you, that's not of God. God loves all men. God's desires that all men would put their faith in Him for salvation. It's not about color. And then there, here's the other thing. We can also make it not about color. We can say, well, it's just a socioeconomic thing. There's some of you that you're prejudiced, if you will, towards people of a, of a different background. Maybe they don't make as much money as you do. Or maybe they make way more than you do. And all of a sudden, we begin to look at them as just, hey, they're in a category. Here's the thing. They're made in the image of God. And so many people have said, from the womb to the tomb, man, God loves them, cares about them. I'll tell you another tough part of this. I was thinking about this whole story with George and, you know, and, and I hate it. It was a tragic thing that George lost his life. But I think about the, the police officer that had his knee in the back of his neck. I think he did the wrong thing. But here's what I would say. Saul did the wrong thing. God still used him. Saul did the wrong thing, but God still used him. God redeemed him. So my prayer is not just for George Floyd's family. It's for any police officers, anybody out there that's doing the wrong thing, that has heart issues, that needs their heart changed. And and we pray that, you know what, that God's going to do something in their life as well. And who knows, God may use them and their testimony down the road to grow the kingdom of God. Now, I know some of you think, man, there's no way, Mike. I'm just telling you, the people of this day thought there was no way. Even the disciples thought there was no way that Saul would be doing this. But I'm telling you, it's not about what we think. It's about what God's plan is and God's purpose is. No matter what culture you grow up in. No matter what culture you grow up in. The gospel changes you. No matter what culture you grow up in, the gospel changes you. I grew up in a culture that was racist. I grew up in a culture that, man, you know, I've, I've heard it from all sides, but I'm just telling you, whenever I gave my life to Christ, God changes you. Saul became Paul, and everything changed. He was not the same guy. At the deepest part of you, the heart, and I'm just saying there's some of you that you've grown up in church, you may be super religious, but I hope that you understand the gospel, that the gospel changes you. And if you're still holding on to racism, if you're still hold, holding on to, to, to grudges, if you're still holding on to bitterness, if you're still holding on to judgmental mentalities towards people because they don't look like you and they don't dress like you, then here's the thing. You have got heart issues you need to deal with. And you've got to understand that the gospel changes us. If it doesn't change us, then Jesus died for nothing. We've got to be willing to say, God, change me. And God, reveal to me. Is my heart corrupt? Maybe you had an uncle or an aunt or a dad or a mom that was feeding you the lies of this world. But yet Jesus comes along and says, hey, listen, I want you to love everybody. I want you to love everybody no matter what color they are, no no matter what background they come from, no matter what tier or what level of life they come from. I want you to love them enough that you would be willing to sacrifice for them, that you'd be willing to lay down your life so that they might have life. And so we've got to be willing to say, God, I want what you want, not what this world claims is so important. And so all believers, this this is important. This third thing is so so critical. All believers need this. The Holy Spirit heals our blindness as we walk with with other believers. And let me tell you something. There's nothing to me that I love better than to be a part of a church that is diverse, that has people of all colors. It's one of the things I love about Journey Church. You know what? We have people of all colors, all kinds of backgrounds. You know, we have blue collar, white collar, and no collar. We have everybody here. And I love that. But here's the thing, the Holy Spirit heals our blindness as we walk with other believers. I think sometimes whenever we, we are around people that are not like us, we learn the most. Ananias was, I love this, Ananias was obedient to go and pray over Saul. He was, he was obedient to go. You know, God told him what to do. Now he was a little bit hesitant, but he was obedient and he went, and he went and he prayed over Saul. There's people that you need to be praying over right now. People you just need to go to and say, man, I love you, I just want to pray for you. People need to be on the phone calling them up. Hey, listen, I love you. I want to pray for you. I know that this, this, this darkness is over our nation right now, but I just want to call and let you know that, man, I love you and I'm praying for you. Here's nothing. Ananias was obedient to the Great Commission. He baptized Saul. I mean, he, he, he literally does what the Great Commission says. The Great Commission says to, to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He took care of business. He, he was obedient to the Great Commission. We have an opportunity today to be obedient to what God has called us to do, and that's to love everyone. The way he loves them. And so the great commission is critical. Here's the other thing. Every believer needs a community, a community of believers, a life group. Every believer, if you're, if you're watching this and you're part of Journey Church and you're not in in a life group, you're not connected in a life group, you're holding back on what God wants to do in your life. You're literally becoming the barrier. You're standing in the way of that. And you're keeping the church from experiencing all that God wants to do through our church because whenever you miss out on that, the church misses out as well. And so we've got to understand every believer needs a community of believers in a life group. Saul, who became Paul, he now has these guys around him Instead, said he began to hang out with the disciples. They began to teach him and equip him. And they, they, they were training him in the things of, of righteousness. And here's the other thing. All believers need someone to teach them. I don't care what age you are. You may be 85 out there right now, but I'm just telling you, you need somebody in your life that can teach you. Somebody that's a little bit ahead of you. And it doesn't have to be that somebody has to be older than you physically. It may be that someone is older than you and further along than you are spiritually. They can teach you. They can invest in you. They can pour into you. And so, we all need people around us. I heard someone say the other day, "Man, man, people were not created to be alone." And he, they're exactly right. People were created for community. God created us that way. That's why some people are having such a tough time in this pandemic. You know, it's it's a tough season. So we need believers around us. And we can gather in small groups. We can gather in ten or less or whatever it might be. So you, you need to find a group to gather with and to, to be able to share life with. And like like Saul, you know, who became Paul, maybe you begin to share, hey, this is where I came from. This is my background. This is my my past. And, and sometimes talking about our past is what helps us, you know, d- really move towards uh, what God's plan is for the future. To all believers, need someone to teach them as well. So prayerfully today... You are going, you know what, I'm going to stop blaming my mom, my dad. I'm going to stop blaming my spouse because of the situation of our marriage. I'm going to stop blaming, you know, my boss. I'm going to stop blaming somebody. I'm going to start taking responsibility. And I'm going to take ownership. And I'm going to start dealing with some of the issues of my heart. And God, I'm asking God, will you show me what those issues are? And I'm going to promise you, He will. He may he may reveal them little by little because you can't take it all at once. It might be overwhelming, but God's going to begin to hold up the mirror of His Word. God's God will hold up His Word in front of you and begin to reveal those things, and you'll begin to see those areas of your life that you need to confess and repent of, and turn to God in those areas. And so, here's some next steps for me today, and maybe this is your steps. Maybe the first one is this: have a life changing encounter with Christ today by faith in Him alone. If you're there and you've never put your faith in Christ, you've never had that life-changing, life-life-changing uh, encounter with Christ. Then today may be the day for you. Instead of just being religious and you know, just kind of, hey, I'm going to be better, I'm going to do better, I'm going to read more, I'm going to do whatever. Just say, Jesus, I just want to meet with you. Jesus, I want to confess to you. I've been trying, but Jesus, I need you to come into my life, and I, I'm asking you to save me. Jesus, will you come into my life? Will you be my Lord? Will you be my Savior? And His answer is yes. He went to the cross so that He could have that relationship with you. So that you could be redeemed. So you could be part of His family. And so instead of trying to earn it, what if you just receive the gift of eternal life? and, And by faith and realize, hey, it's not anything that I earn. It's just what I receive. It's by faith in what Christ has done. And so maybe today that's the most important step that you take. And then here's the second one. Allow the Word of God to reveal the deep heart issues you need to confess and repent of right now. Just say, God... Maybe I have been racist. God, I want to ask you to convict me of it. God, I want that removed. I want you to do spiritual surgery in my heart right now. God, remove whatever has been poured into my life, the lies that have been told to me, whatever I have believed. Maybe I believe the media. Maybe I believe my family, whatever. God, I want to believe your word. It's what lasts forever. Two things will last forever. The souls of men and the word of God. And so the thing is, is God, I want your word in my heart, not bitterness, not anger, not resentment, not hate. But God, I want to love people the way that you love them. And I want to be willing to serve them the way that you are willing to serve. So God, will you change my heart? And if we'll allow the Word of God to begin to search us, I'm just telling you, even some of the Scriptures have been read today, I believe it's convicting some of you just like it's convicting me. And that we need to do business with God. and say, God, clean this area up. God, forgive me for this. And then here's the last one. Join a life group with other believers and learn from them. Man, it's one of the things that you need to do. It's one of the things that I need to be a part of. I need, I need guys in my life. I need guys that love me, that will, will speak life into me, that will challenge me. And at times, maybe share a word that cuts deep. And so I want to encourage you, man, get involved in a life group. Get, you know Contact Pastor uh, Brandon. He would love to get you connected in a life group. Go online. Maybe there's some that are, that are uh, getting started up for the summer. We want you to be a part of that. We're going to have some groups that will be meeting through the summer. And we want you to be a part of that. And if we have to, we'll start others. We'll do whatever we got to do. We want you in a life group because we know that, you know what, we have to do life together. It's the only way we really grow, the way that God intends. So I want to just encourage you. Man, if if you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ, I want to ask you, if you would, just to bow your head and close your eyes. I want to walk you through that. And so, right there, wherever you might be, just get down on your knees. Just bow your head and just say, Jesus, I want to ask you, Jesus, will you come into my life? Jesus, will you be my Lord? Will you be my Savior? And Jesus, will you forgive me for the sin that I've been holding on to? Jesus, will you forgive me for the things I've done that go against your teaching? So, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. Will you? And his answer is yes. Jesus, I want to quit living the way I've been living. That's repentance. Jesus, will you come in? Will you teach me? And I promise you, he'll do that. And he'll also put people in your life that will teach you as well. If that is your prayer, if that is the sincere prayer of your heart, the Bible says you will be changed. And here's the thing, you will be saved. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. It's life changing. You'll never be the same. Who knows? God may change your name. He may give you a new name. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for your word. And God, I pray that you would just uh, just touch someone out there today. God, let them hear that you want to heal their brokenness. God, that you care about their past, but you care more about their future. And God, you want to be, you want to step into their presence right now. Lord Father, you want to literally step into their heart right now. If they'll just trust you. So God, I pray that there's somebody out there that's trusting you for salvation today. And God, they would have the courage to let us know, to, to come, let us come alongside them and let us walk with them. God, I pray there's somebody out there that's looking for a life group. God, they're going to get plugged in. They're going to get connected. and They're going to get around believers that are growing and they're going to learn from one another. And God, there's some of us that need to get our heart right. God, we just need to ask you to forgive us. I pray that you would take away this this dark cloud of sin, of racism that's all over our nation right now. God, I pray, I stand in the gap for our nation. I ask you to begin to change hearts. It's the only thing that will change it. It's the only thing that will stop it. And so God, use us to speak out. But God, use us to literally live out our life in such a way. God, that people know where we stand and they know what the gospel is. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
0: If you just made a decision to follow Christ, we want to know about it. We want to celebrate, and most importantly, we want to walk alongside of you. So please make sure you text the number on the screen so we can get in touch with you and help you on this journey of walking with Christ. Also, guys, make sure if you have kids that you hang around because Pastor Nate has something amazing planned for them. And listen, it's on their level. But before our kids' service begins, we want to give this opportunity to impact the world around us by bringing our tithes and offering to God. I want to challenge you to take this opportunity to put God first in your life. There should be a link in the comments and on the screen to the Journey Church giving page. If you need help learning how to give online, check our YouTube channel out. There you'll see several tutorial videos. Now let's pray over the offering. Father, we thank you so much for today, God. We thank you for the word that we've heard, God, the worship that we've had, and we thank you that right now we give the opportunity to be obedient to you and to give back. Lord, I want to thank you for those that have continually given faithfully over the past several weeks, and God, we pray you bless their lives, and God, today you challenge others to give in obedience to you. We love you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen.